0: Welcome to week three of our series, Shut Your Mouth. Uh, man, uh, we, we've got baptism we're going to be doing here in a minute. And, and uh, what we've learned is if we do baptism up front, well, we've got a lot of people just come to see their kids baptized and leave. And this is why I got you for their whole service. Uh, so, so oh, no. <laughs> celebrate. He's serious. He's serious. Hey, what do, you, what do you call a redneck that bursts into flames? A A firecracker. <laughs> Come on now, come on! Little Fourth of July humor. Uh, what did? <laughs> this is my favorite. What did the fuse say to the firecracker? Let's get together and pop it like it's hot. Pop it like it's hot. <laughs> I laugh at my own jokes, guys. I don't even need you to laugh at them. Um, look at the person beside you. and Said this is going to be a tough one. Go ahead, tell him it's going to be a tough one. Now, now look at your second choice and tell them the same thing. Yeah. Hey, the, the purpose of this series uh, is to make us more aware that there are power in our words. The things we say, the words we use. Remember, Jesus said this in Matthew twelve thirty six: Everyone will be held accountable for every careless word that comes out of your mouth. Every careless word. That should make us pause every time we start to say something or type something. Are you hearing me? Yes. Uh, I had to remind myself of this this past week. Because um, I, I, I don't do, I don't use Facebook a lot. Uh, it's mainly my wife. She likes to get on there. But I, I saw this quote and I thought, man, that's that's good. Talking about the church and this generation. So I put the quote out there. Thinking, man, that's a great quote. Well, then, here come the, the the haters. It's only word I know for it. And, and, you know, talking about, and they did, here's what I find. It, uh, they didn't say anything about the quote I put up. They immediately began to attack the person that I quoted. And so I put up there, I said, blah, 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 trying to be nice and remember, Kelly, remember what you're preaching on. And so I, and they responded back to which I, I was like, you know what, I, I'm sick of this. And man, I, 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 I obliterated this guy. I mean, I'm going down, I'm typing it. I hit, yes, post. And then Holy Spirit said no, and I went back on and deleted it. And then I sent the guy a private message, honestly, to say, hey, you know, listen, here's what the world doesn't need to see. I said, we can agree to disagree, but I'm not about to be part of watching unchurched people watch Christians fight and argue and come at it. And I had to remind myself, hey, Kelly, remember what you're preaching. Words are powerful and the world is watching. Um, I'll start to say something else I'm not going to Um So, so I could have kept up the harsh, I, I could have kept the harsh response up there, but the only thing that that would have done was stroke my ego, make me feel better for a moment, but then stir up division. That's all I would have done. So I, I told you the story not to say, "Great job, Kelly, great job." I told you because one out—that's one out of a hundred times that I may have gotten it right. There are many more times that I did not get it right. So this series is just as much for me as it is for any of you. I'm preaching to myself. So, so Proverbs 18, 21, If you got a Bible, if not, I'm gonna—I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, put it up here on the screen, but. The, uh, uh, it, it says that the life and death are in the power of the tongue. The new living translated like this. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Passion paraphrased it like this. Your words are so powerful that they will kill or give life. And the talkative person will reap the consequences. The message says, words kill or words give life. I think we can get the picture of what words do. They kill, they give life. So today we're going to look at, they said ten ways, but I narrowed it down to nine ways to die. And maybe a better title would have been, uh, but it's lengthier, nine ways to separate yourself from God. Nine ways that can bring distance between you and God. Look at Isaiah 59, starting with verse 1. Prophet Isaiah, listen the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf to hear you call. What he said, you've got people that are that they're going through some junk, and Isaiah showed and said, listen, he, there's nothing wrong with God's hearing. Nothing wrong with his arm. You want to know why you feel distant from God? You want to know why God's not working on your behalf? He's about to tell them. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. It's not his hearing. It's not his arm. It's not that he can't. But there's some things that you're doing in your life that have cut you off from God. And and I I don't know about you, but me, if there's something that is separating me from God, that is causing a disconnection, I want to know what it is. I want to know what it is so I can nip it in the bud, repent, and move on. Well, the good news for us, Isaiah tells us what it is. Look at this, Isaiah, verses 3. Your hands are the hands of murderers. I'm good there. Your fingers are filthy with sin. Your lips are full of lies, and your mouth spews corruption. You want to know how serious God takes the words we say? He puts our words in the same category as murder, as murder. I mean, he goes from murder and violence to, hey, the lies you're spewing, the stuff that's coming out of your mouth. Isaiah said, Isaiah says, said, not your, not his arms can't reach you, not he can't hear you. It's the sin in your life and the words that are coming out of your mouth that are keeping God from hearing you. Now let me ask you, what happens to a tree or a plant, uh, that gets cut off from its water supply or its food supply? What happens to it? It dies. And if you remember, a couple of weeks ago we talked about how God compared our, our hearts to, to to a tree, and the words that come out of our mouth are the fruit. So so today I want to look at some ways that maybe we can kill that tree that is producing some bad fruit before it kills us and disconnects us from God. Are you with me? Yes. Are you are you sure? Uh here's the thing that, that This message is not for us to take inventory and then to feel really, really bad about some of the things we can relate to. Should we take inventory? Absolutely. Let's identify them, repent, and then move on. The first way to die or bring separation between you and God, lying. Lying. How many know that lying can separate the best of friends? How many know that lying can cause separation in a marriage? I mean, if you've got a spouse that is constantly lying to you, isn't that gonna that, that's gonna cause some some flack in your intimacy, right? There's gonna be some intimacy issues. Well, the same thing is with God. He, he looks down. It, it causes, it affects our intimacy with God. How I many know you don't have to teach a kid how to lie? Come on. It just comes natural to them. But but on the same note. That lying can also be learned. Like, uh, we'll tell our kids, hey, don't lie, right? We tell her, hey, don't lie. Lying is bad. Lying is wrong. But then, whether we realize it or not, we teach them that some lies are acceptable. Like, let's say I. Uh, I come up to you and I haven't seen you in a while. And you're with your family. And I run into you at Walmart. Hey man, it's great to see you. We've been missing you at church. And then you go on this, oh man, wise family, they're in town and man, I've been so busy. Sorry, man, we'll get back in there. And I was like, okay, great. And I walk away. And your kid knows, hey, yeah, your wise family was there three months ago. And you ain't really been that busy on weekends. Oh, let me get let me get one better that you can relate to. And I'll just I'm guilty. Let me go ahead and say, I'm guilty. You go to the movies. And that kid is just above the age to where they, you have to pay for their movie ticket. And you walk up there, Dollywood. How old's that kid? Oh, he's three. Okay, well, come on in. And then the kid goes, Three? I'm thirteen, Daddy. Why you mean three? <laughs> now, I guess Casey's speaking from experience with Dollywood. Now, <laughs> now let, let me get confession time. Now when, when Dollywood opened back up and they were requiring you to wear a mask, we went up there with mask and we had Juno and uh and how I many know you're not gonna keep a mask on a two-year-old. And so they said, how old is she? I said, oh, she's two. She's going to have to wear a mask. I said, then she's not two. <laughs> he says, that's your story? I said, that's it, and I'm sticking to it. Come on in. Come on in. So pick your battles. Pick your battles. Some of y'all are thinking this pastor is a horrible person. Um, <laughs> but but I, it, we, we may not say, well, it's not a big deal, but what we need to understand, we're teaching our kids that there is some lying that is okay. And we need to be careful of that look what the Bible says about lying. Proverbs six sixteen through nineteen. There are six things the Lord hates; seven that are detestable to Him: haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. Again, God puts lying ahead of murder. A heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. I I, I pointed out this last week, and I'll do it again. Out of the top seven things that God says He hates, three of them had to do with our words. Our words. Now, let me reiterate. God doesn't hate the sinner. He hates the sin. He loves. He loves the sinner. It, it, It reminded me of... Of this story, uh, because can we be honest? We all really tempted to lie. When the cop pulls you over, I, I said that because of a resident police officer. Oh, I didn't know I was speeding. But, senior, you it reminded me of this story of this, uh, this, this cop, he pause, uh, pulls over this guy and says, uh, can I see your license, sir? And the gentleman says, uh, I don't have a license. It, it was suspended after my fifth DUI. So the officer's like, oh, really, can I see your registration? Uh, Well, it's not my car. I stole it. (laughs) He he said, hold on, hold on a minute. I saw the registration in the glove box when I was putting my gun in there. And the the officer, oh, there's there's a gun in your body? He's like, yeah. And I probably ought to tell you, there's a dead body in the trunk. The person I stole the car from... Uh, they're in the trunk dead uh and the, and the guy's like okay give me the keys to your car he calls his captain captain comes in up to say sir uh, i understand we got a problem can i see your license here you go sir shows him his license you have a registration app right here right here he said well can you open your glo- glove box i heard glove box i heard there was a gun a gun i don't carry a gun Open. Sure enough, no gun. Uh, do you mind opening up your trunk? I heard uh, you told the officer, there's a dead body in there. Gotta, come on, guy. I guess he told you I speed him too. <laughs> come on. <laughs> Listen. You may not call it lying. You may call it stretching the truth or exaggerating, but the Bible says no. It's lying. That's what it is. But for some, how many know? For some, lying becomes more than just a lie. It becomes a stronghold in your life. Right. Anybody know that somebody that just they don't have to lie about it, but they just lie. Yeah. They just. Me and Denise, we we know this young lady um and that. She would just tell the biggest lies, not needing to. Then we find out we're talking to her mom. None of it was true. None of the things she was saying true. What had happened? It had become a stronghold in her life. She just lies. There are people that lie so much, and I'm convinced they don't even know they're lying. They just lie. And so, well, Kelly, how do you, I want to give you two ways you can break this off of yourself or someone else. And, and I'm, I want to say this before I give you the point. This will work with the other nine things we're about to talk about too. You want to break the stronghold of lying off your life? This is it. Accountability and correctability. Yeah. Accountability. It's not just enough to have someone that knows your tendency to lie or exaggerate the truth. They got to be able to call you out on it. Like let's say the men, we went on a fishing trip. And Pastor Ben and Bob and all of us, we were on the fishing trip. And man, we get back and I'm talking, man, I, ca- I caught a 60-pound grouper. And Ben's like, uh, no, Pastor, you didn't. That was like a two-pound blowfish. <laughs> you got to have somebody that has, can speak into your life and correct you. Are you hearing me? Accountability and correctability. You've got to have it. Uh, But you've got to have someone like that in your life. Why is that important? Because the enemy wants to use lying to separate you from God. The second way to die is this. Stirring up division. Mm. I've been guilty of this on more than one occasion. Uh, My mom... Growing up would get so frustrated me because when she had her Sunday school class or her youth, she taught her youth, I was the protagonist. I was the one that was always the opposite side of her and trying." And, and uh, she did not think it was funny one bit uh, where I thought it was hilarious, but she did not think it was funny. And, and, but, and apparently neither does God doesn't think it's funny. Look at Proverbs 6, 12 through 15. A worthless person, a wicked man goes about with crooked speech winks with his eyes, signals with his feet, points with his finger. With perverted heart, he devises evil. Remember crooked speech? Perverted heart. We talked about this last week how the heart and what comes out of her mouth are connected. He says, with perverted heart, devises evil, continually sowing discord. We're about to see how serious God takes when people sow discord. Verse 15, Therefore, Calamity will come upon him. Suddenly, in a moment, he will be broken beyond healing. That's how serious God takes someone who sows discord, who causes division. And this doesn't matter if it's in your circle of friends, if it's in your church, if it's in your school, if it's at work. Man, God says, listen, don't, don't be that person that's always trying to cause division, stir up division. Let's go to the New Testament. Check it out. Do not get involved in foolish discussion about spiritual pedigrees or in quarrels and fights about obedience to Jewish laws. The Passion says avoid useless controversies, pointless arguments over the law. He says these things are useless and a waste of time. What's the old saying? Uh, Opinions are like noses. Everybody's got one. Here's where we get into trouble. I I see it now more than ever in the culture out there. It's when our opinion, we want to make our opinion doctrine. Our opinion, that's the law. That's the law. And that's what Paul is addressing here. These people are getting into arguments over the interpretations of the scriptures. Things that really didn't matter whether they should abide by this principle or that. Laws that pretty much God didn't give them. They made them of themselves. And Paul said, quit sitting around arguing about these things, about who's most spiritual, who prays the most, who, if we can do this or that on the sab- Sabbath. He says, don't get drawn into these foolish arguments because they are useless and they are a waste of time. We still do it today. Yes. Some, the moment someone doesn't agree with you, you now become their enemy. That's the culture we live in. Why? Because their opinion is their doctrine. Doesn't matter. Come on. Their opinion about what, oh, I may get in trouble here now. Their opinion about what a woman or man is. Don't matter what you show them, we could put pictures up. But now their opinion is their doctrine. And that, man, I'm, I, I, I better not wait out there. We're going we're to talk more about that. We're doing a series this uh, fall called Hot Topics. And uh, we're going to discuss some of those things. But let's don't go there now. But Paul is about to let them know how serious he is about this. Look at verse 10. If people are causing division among you, Give a first and a second warning. After that, have nothing more to do with them. For people like that have turned away from the truth and their own sins condemned them. Man. Paul says people that are stirring up division, planting seeds in someone's ear at church, trying to get more people on their side. I, we, we come in, we may not, overla- and I, like pa- I don't like that the pastor has tattoos. He don't, he don't even wear a suit. He don't even wear a tie. Or at least dress shoes. Put some dress shoes on with your pants. I don't like the fact that people can just wear anything and in come into that church. Men are wearing it. The, the worship pastor wears a hat. For the love of God, what's going on? I don't like the lights being up. I don't like the lights being down. And that's fine. Listen, I'm saying, you can have your likes and dislikes. But what we do is this. We take our opinions, and then we begin to whisper those in someone's ear, anyone that can hear. And then they'll whisper it into other ear. And we're trying to get people on our side. And let me tell you, that's doing nothing but causing division in God's house. How about said something else? My brother's here. And I want to be really nice today and make him think I'm really good. Because he's more eloquent than I am when it comes to this stuff. Paul says don't have anything to do with them. And while that's harsh, being, being in a church as long as I have, I've seen it happen. How one person can start something. And this, this, we can have momentum going. Momentum. And one person whisper in someone's ear, and then, man, bam, division. Denise and I saw it when we were youth pastors. We had so much momentum going. I mean, we were running like 60 kids going. And, and thank God, and I believe God saw this coming, but one young lady in the church and one class said that I said something that I did not say, and thank God Crystal Conley was down there that night for some reason, but it it killed the momentum because she began to say, oh, Pastor Kelly said this, Pastor Kelly said that. And we ended up having to meet with her parents, and Crystal Conley came in and said, he did not say anything close to that. Listen, I know I say enough dumb stuff that if I said it, I'll own it. I'll, I'll own it because I know there's some stuff I, I get here. You know, I was like Kelly, what in the world were you thinking? Why, and I'll own it. But I'm gonna tell you, we've got to come where our opinion, what God wants and the kingdom wants, is more important than our opinions. Yes. That's where we've got to get. Let's hurry up. Uh, I promise you, I won't be as long on these others. Uh, third way. Oh, this is a good one. Gossip. So, what's the definition of gossip? I'm glad you asked. Pull that definition up. A person who habitually spreads intimate or private rumors or facts. Woo! PK, I thought you had me. Everything I say is true. I don't tell nothing that's true. Well, let's look at that again. Who habitually spreads intimate, private rumors or facts. In other words, it doesn't matter if it's true or not. If it's intimate and it's private, it's gossip. Um, I, I bear you. I better go quickly. So what makes a gossip a gossip? They talk about it. They talk about it. You you don't want to be a gossip? Quit talking about it. It's funny to me how people that gossip know who they can go talk to. So if you've got people coming to you and talking to you, you might want to say, man, am I giving off that kind of vibe? And you say, hey, listen, I don't care if it's true or not. I don't want to hear it. I'm telling you, gossip. Look, look at this, Proverbs twenty nineteen. A gossip goes around telling secrets. Don't hang around with chatterers. Passion says stay away from those that can't keep their mouths shut. Proverbs 16, 28. A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends there are those here today and those uh, watching online you know that's true because gossip has separated a friendship gossip has caused people to leave a church leave a business leave a relationship get out of a marriage why because of gossip it separates even the best of friend now here's a good question to ask yourself am i talking to god a, more about this person or situation than i'm talking about the person or situation that's what i need to ask Look at 2 Corinthians 12, 20. He said, I'm afraid that when I come, I won't like what I find. And you won't like my response. I'm afraid that I will find you quarreling, jealousy, anger, selfishness, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorderly behavior. Here's the thing, church. We need to recognize this. Gossip is not a problem. It's a sin. It's a sin. Fourth way. Since that one went over so well, let's go to another one. (laughs) Slander. Let me give you the definition of slander. The utterance of false charges or misrepresentations which defame or damage another's reputation. A false and defamatory oral statement about a person. Here's the usual response when you confront someone about slander. Well, I I didn't know it wasn't true. I thought it was true. Listen closely. If you share something that you thought was true, but it turned out that it wasn't true, you are not innocent of slander. You still slandered. Look at Proverbs ten 18. Isn't this a fun message? If you're new here, as Austin said, give us another shot. Uh, here we go. <laughs> Hiding hatred makes you a liar. Slandering others makes you a fool. That's not me talking. That's the Bible. Let's move on to number five. A tail bearer. Now, now, a tell bearer is not someone who shows their tails. That's a different spelling and much shorter spelling. Some of y'all get that on the way home. Here's what the Bible says about a tell bearer. Proverbs eleven thirteen. 13. A tail bearer goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep confidence. You ever know someone that just could not keep a secret? Don't don't look to left or right, even if you're sitting with them. Very pu- most people say, I can keep a secret, I can keep a secret. But here, let me run you through what usually happens. They get told a secret. Then they go tell someone that they believe they can trust with that secret. Don't tell nobody. Okay, well, then that person goes and tells someone else that they believe they can trust with that secret. Then that person goes on. Uh, And the Bible says, no, no, cut it out. Quit being that. It it, it shouldn't be like that in church. Are you hearing me? We should be able to come in here, share things, and know it's not going to end up on social media or in somebody else's prayer meeting. We should be. Look, this should be, you know, the model of our church should be? James 5.16 Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. Here's what's sad about church today. There are a lot of people that need healing in this church that can't get healing because they don't trust anyone because people have talked and spread things about them when they found them out. And that should not be so in the church. We should be able to come together and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. And instead of it finding now, they say, well, you know, i tell you what. Let's pray about this. Now, I'm, I'm going to help hold you accountable to that. I'm going to walk. Instead of getting other people to get to know, the model should be, I'm able to confess something that's that going on in my life. And then I find healing because of that. God, watch about bar community. Sir. We've got to get better at this. We've got to get better at this. This should be a place where people can come in, share their secret struggles, their brokenness, and leave knowing it's not going to find its way outside these walls. The sixth, cursing. Cursing. We're probably not talking about what you think we're talking about when it t- mentions it in the Bible. In Romans 10, 12, Paul writes, there's no one righteous, not even one. And he says, All have turned away. Then he says this in verse 13. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of what? Cursing, cursing and bitterness. See, what happens when you curse, you're, 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 try, you're cursing someone or something. Take, let's take the word damn for a minute. That, that, that means if you look at Merriam-Webster it means to condemn vigorously we get that word from the word damnation which the dictionary finds the state of being in hell as punishment after death why is this poor, so important because when you use that word you're cursing someone some of you need to quit damning your family damning your children damning your marriage damning your workplace and begin to speak life into those things I'm t- see, cursing is not what we call foul language when the Bible talks about it. See, I remember the story growing up, man. Well, you know, we, we would all. Well, you remember when Peter denied Christ, it says that Peter proved he wasn't a Christian because cursing. He cussed them out. Well, let's, let's look at the Scripture. Here's the way King James Version says it. Then he, Peter, began to curse and swear, saying, I know not the man. If you do a study on that, the NIV actually translate that, translates it better. Then he, Peter, began to call down curses and swore to them, I don't know the man. Here's what Peter was doing. If I know this man, Jesus, let there be curse upon me and my family. And what made the people stop and think? They're like, why would anyone bring a curse on their own family? He can't. So surely... And that's what he was doing. Look at Psalms 109, 17 through 18. As he loved cursing, so let it come to him. As he did not delight in the blessing, so let it be far from him. In other words, when you speak words of cursing, they're going to come back on you. Come on. Why am I not seeing blessings in my life? Because you're not speaking blessing. The psalmist doesn't stop there. He says this. As he clothed himself with cursing, as with his garment, so let it enter his body like water and be like oil in his bones. That's how deep it can go when you allow yourself to speak cursing. Matthew 15, 11, Jesus said, it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. It's what comes out of your mouth that defiles you. Those curse words you think you're speaking over someone else, guess what? The Bible says they're going to come back on you. Yes. That should make us pause. Yes. Seven. I told you we were going to do, go through the rest faster. The misuse of God's name or taking God's name in vain. This is one of God's top 10 originals, right? I mean, Exodus 27, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. This is something that I don't think we're really clear on when it says you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. I don't think we're really clear on. We think the only way to misuse God's name or take it in vain is to put another word with it. Are you with me? Or or, or when people would nonchalantly say something like, oh, God. Now, to be clear, I hate both of those. I I mean, I do. I don't like both of those. I I hate them, but I I want us to have a better understanding when it says, don't take God's name in vain. Don't misuse God's name. Do you you remember the Carly Simon song? You're so vain. What'd it say? Nobody's going to sing it back to me. Y'all disappointed me right then. Thank you, babe. You probably think this song is about you. What's it talking about? Selfishness. How do we misuse God's name when we use his name for our selfish gain? Wow. Our se- Vain. Vanity. It, now, I may, I may make some people mad here, but I've already stepped way out. Might as well go ahead. I see God's name taken in vain more on religious programming than I do on a, on a construction work site. God told me that the first 10 people that will send me $1,000, healing will come your way. Now, hear me. I'm not saying God doesn't ever speak like that. But I see it misused more than I see it used correctly. Using God's name to gain something for us. And I'll tell you this. I believe we are misusing God's name when we stand out and protest with signs like God hates fags. I believe that's misusing God's name. That was free. That wasn't even in the notes. (laughs) Number eight, contentious, contentious. Let me give you a definition of of this. Someone likely to cause people to argue or disagree, exhibiting an often perverse and wearisome tendency to quarrels and disputes. My mom used to say this, Kelly, you'd argue with a brick wall. Anybody know anybody else like that besides me? If you know what happens when you confront someone that's like that, I'm not that way. Then they argue about them not being an arguer. Look what the Bible says, Proverbs 25, 24. It is better to, d- it is better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than in a house share with a contentious woman. Any man... Any men been to the attic lately? (laughs) Harvey's back there saying, let's move on. Let's move on. Look at Proverbs 26, 21. As charcoal is to burning coals and wood is to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. Do you ever know somebody that argues just to argue? They may not even believe what they're arguing about. They just want to argue. Man, those people get on my nerves. <laughs> I'm just going to look straight down here. I, I mean, <laughs> sorry, somebody says sorry. And, but they do, they don't even recognize it. And if you, see, we, we, there's a way you can break this off of you. Accountability, correctability. Yes. Yes. And that's going to be hard for some of you cause that argument in nature. I don't do that. Uh, That's not me. Let's move on. Final one. Pessimism. Always seeing the worst. Come on. You know that person. The immediately something is said, they're always going to find the bad part of it. The worst of it. This is the very reason. Pessimism is the very reason the children of Israel wandered around in the desert for 40 years. They, they sent 12 spies some came back seeing only the worst yeah what you're seeing is there but but they couldn't see the promises of God all they could see or believe was the worst that there were giants in the land let me be honest with you there's always going to be giants in the land even when they got into their promised land they still had to fight giants there's always going to be giants in the land, it's because here's what: when you finally take hold of the promise that God wants you to have and that you remember, I'm going to tell you there's going to be a giant that's going to present itself. The Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, was reminding the people as writing to the story of the children of Israel and what caused them to wonder for so long. And look what he says: "Be careful, then, dear brothers and sisters." Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving or pessimistic, turning you away from the living God. The writer of Hebrews said, hey, if we're not careful, unbelief can harden our hearts. Constantly believing the worst, seeing the worst, will eventually harden your heart to where that's all you see. And if all you speak are negative and pessimistic words of unbelief, don't be surprised when nothing changes in your life. If that's all you can speak is unbelief and negative words, your marriage will never change. Your health will never change. Your finances will never change. Your kids will never change. Come on, if that's all you speak, let's close with this. And then we're getting ready for baptism. And I'll let you guys uh, dismiss my people I'm baptizing here in a minute. Do you know what language God speaks? Faith. The Bible says this, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Listen, I'm not saying that we walk around denying. Like, I'm not saying you come in here your eyes are red. Your nose is red. You're coughing up a lung. And somebody says, how are you? I'm oh, great. Blessed, only favored. No, what faith is, is recognizing, hey, this is, this is actual in my life. But I'm going to find a word of God that speaks life into this. I'm not just going to take it as it is. I'm going to find a word. Faith is not denying that you have a problem. That's not what faith is. Faith is saying, hey, I'm not going to be problem-focused. I'm going to be God-focused and, and solution-focused. And, man, when you run into those things, what do you do? I, I, I don't know about you. I, I begin to look for something in the Word of God that I can just lead, latch on to. And I mean, what, what, this problem that's going on, God, I know you've got something to say about it. Let me find it. Ephesians 4 19 through 31. And we're going to end with this. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up. Did you hear that? As it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Do not, pay attention to this next verse. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath, anger, clamor, and slander be put away from you along with all malice. I don't know about you. I don't want to grieve, Holy Spirit, at all. I don't want anything I say, anything I do to grieve Holy Spirit. But the truth is there are so many of us that are grieving Holy Spirit with the words that come out of our mouth or what we post on social media or what we put out there on that platform. And it's grieving the Holy Spirit. Every time we lie, every time we gossip, argue over things that don't matter, every time we speak words of unbelief, Foul language. Every time we misuse God's name, or tell someone's secret, or we sow discord, we're grieving Holy Spirit, guys. And we want to know why. Why we don't have revival in our land? We need revival in the body of Christ itself. Because I refuse. Here's what I know. I won't argue with anyone about this church. I won't. Whether you believe, I won't. I know who God has called us to be. And that's why you'll never hear me put down another ministry, another church, because God has called them to be who they are. And they're going to reach people that we can't. And we'll reach people. So, so that's, I'm not about to be a party to watching the world watch Christians tear each other apart. Not going to happen. I, I do believe this. I believe that our marriages could be better. I believe that our families could be closer. I believe our schools could be better. I believe that if we would begin to watch this right here, just because you think it doesn't mean you have to say it or type it. I'm telling you guys, God, man, I, this is something that God is dealing with me about. I'm not up here saying Kelly's got it all together. There are days I do great, and there are days that I'm like, I hope they don't recognize that I'm the pastor. I hope hope they don't see the Watts Bar Community Church sticker on my van. Because I blew it. I blew it to the point where I walked back and apologized. and said, hey, that wasn't Christ-like the way I spoke to you. Why? Because... I don't want to grieve, Holy Spirit. And I don't want there anything to be anything that separates me from God and Him doing a work in me and through me. I want revival for Watts Bar Community Church. I can't control what they're doing out there, but church, we can control what's happening in here and let revival start right here. Stand with me across this room. Those that are going to be baptized, go ahead and go and get ready. Worship team, come on up. I think Drake's going to sing any. D rake how many of y'all say pastor I need help watching my mouth get them up I've got both my hands up I'm going to pray with you right where you at father you see every hand that's raised God you see we, we, want, we don't want to grieve Holy Spirit we don't want anything coming or hindering uh, our relationship with you father so God, we repent. Come on, right now, you repent. God, I, forgive me for words I've said. God, forgive me for attitudes I've taken. Forgive me for careless, idle words that have come out of our mouths. And God, our Holy Spirit, I pray you would just nudge us every time we start to say, type, or do something that may grieve you. God, let us be a light to this world. Let them look at the church and say, I want whatever they've got. In Jesus' name, amen. Bob and the team's going to lead you in worship. Then we're going to do baptism real quick. So I hope you hang out with us because I love what we're about to do, Pastor Bob.